The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to do 55 welcomes, and I'll tell you why in a second. If you want to run with the Game Changers, that's exactly what we were doing live at SAP Sapphire Now 2017 in Orlando last week. So let me tell you about it. Coffee Break with Game Changers was on special assignment. We were broadcasting live audio and video interviews, panel discussions from the Orlando Conference Center. What was our mission? Well, we were asking SAP partners, customers, and executives for their insights and their candid stories about what's keeping today's C-suite awake at night, as well as what's making the same C-suite excited to go to work every day. We have picked six of the What's Keeping the C-Suite Awake interviews to play for you today. In just a couple seconds, I will turn this over to our engineer, Kevin, at World Talk Radio, the business channel, and he's going to roll them in. So let me tell you what you're going to hear. First, you'll hear a clip or most of the interview from Enterprise Tax Challenges in the Digital Economy. Look to the cloud. Come on. Every company has to deal with taxes. Okay. Hear about how it's working today. Featuring Vertex and SAP. Second clip will be the golf industry and technology equals a hole in one. That's a great formula featuring Callaway Golf and SAP. Third will be turn your business into an intelligent enterprise. And who doesn't want that? Featuring Cap Gemini and MindTouch. The fourth segment will be sign on the bottom line. E-signatures are streamlining document processes featuring DocuSign and SAP. The fifth will be a stitch in time, evolving from an industrial revolution business to the 21st century. I talked with a gentleman from the Coates Group. Remember Coates and Clark Threads? Well, they're doing industrial threads now. They still do beautiful embroidery and sewing threads. It's Coates. And the sixth one will be reaching the digital summit with solution extensions. Many of you may be familiar with the term Solex. And that's my chat with SAP's Tom Roberts. So without further ado, I am ready to turn it over. Kevin, let's start the party and please start playing our interviews from Sapphire. I'll be back at the end to close the show. Enjoy. Let me give you a quick quote from Bill Gates that I think will set the stage. Bill Gates says, the robot that takes your job should pay taxes. That's a whole other way of looking at it, but we got the tax word in there. So we're going to focus about taxes today. Tax is complex, tax is changing and challenging in the U.S. Tax laws were set up for the traditional economy, not the digital economy. Think OMG, how are companies dealing with sometimes the biggest thing on their balance sheet? Boards are doing extra oversight today. How is the finance department coping. I have two 
experts on this topic. We're going to be talking to in just a moment. I'm pleased to welcome Paul Behrens. I'm going to shake your hand. Paul is the Director of Strategic Partners at Vertex, Inc. If you want to look them up, V-E-R-T-E-X. And joining us today is Camila Dallin. I'm going to do a long shake here. Hi, Camila. Thank goodness for long cords on the headsets. Camila is head of ISV Cloud and Embedded Partnerships at SAP North America. Welcome both, and thank you for joining us. So this is a tough topic. Paul, tell me a little bit about tax. It, it's a, enough of a burden. We don't want to talk about death and taxes, but we're talking about taxes today from a finance perspective, from a business perspective, from a what's a company going to do to cope. So, Paul, welcome. What's, what is your company up to these days? Well, tax is uh, very complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a global <coughs> issue that, that, that impacts all companies uh, worldwide. Um, I think what, one of the things you're seeing w- with the taxes is it, it's the transparency that companies now are faced with, especially as you move from that traditional model mm-hmm. to the digital economy. Companies have to become much more transparent with their data, how they're sharing data from country to country, uh, and you look at here in the U.S., it's, it's very complex. You got, you, got, you got state, local taxes that are constantly changing. And that's one of the things that we do best is keep that content updated and, and keep our customers uh, aligned with our SAP uh, partner. And speaking of aligned with our partner, welcome again, Camila. Camila, how did you come into partnership with Vertex? Tell us a little about uh, the meeting. Well, we've been partners for many, many years on different fronts, probably over 20 years, I mm-hmm. think. Yep. Um, SAP's an ISV, as you know, and we're now working with our other partners and customers and other ISV and helping them through the journey that we've been through ourselves. So in the case of Vertex, it's a matter of moving to the cloud. So for their offering to their customers, and Paul will talk more about that, it's important to offer a solution that is fast and that is in the cloud, and we help them do that with SAP Cloud Platform. Okay, so Paul, tell us more a little bit about how, how did you decide that the cloud was the, way, the place to take the tax issue? And, and as we move in our conversation, we'll talk about why CEOs and, and CFOs can sleep a little bit better sure. at night. That's where we're going. So so when did you have the concept at Vertex to to come up with these solutions? Yeah, sure. Well, I look at our models with SAP. We're, we we kind of grew up in the traditional model, and now we're, we're both moving to that digital, more cloud. So one of the things that we've done as a partnership is always try to be an early adopter working with SAP on new cloud initiatives that involve tax. Mm-hmm. And today we are we are partners with SAP. We are integrated with S4 HANA Cloud, uh, HANA Enterprise Cloud, and the the SS for HANA platform. So we're actually an OEM partner there, uh, deploying our tax accounting solution that in, that connects with the SAP BPC application. So. From that perspective, cloud is on the forefront of everything we do from development to supporting our customers and and, and working with SAP hand-in-hand in cloud initiatives. Who's your target market? What kinds of companies are you serving? We serve all size companies from, from small to large. So we have various solution offerings uh, similar to what SAP is doing where we're, we're addressing the, the, the mid-sized companies uh, to large enterprise companies. So we have that scalability on, on, a, on a global scale. Okay. Camila. Cloud, agility, do those two go together? Is that what companies are looking for from the business perspective? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And some, they're on different stages. So they some are 100% pure cloud. Others are on-premise and they're moving gradually. So they're looking for a hybrid uh, situation. And we help them address all of those scenarios. 
Okay. So let's talk about partnerships and and then let's leave tax behind, maybe get to a less taxing subject. (laughs) There are a lot of partners out there, a lot of companies out there. So when does the handshake, as I like to say, when did the marriage happen between the two companies? Why Vertex and SAP? Uh, You obviously are all smart. You have good ideas, good solutions. You're very modern. You're thinking digital economy. But I think it takes a very special set of people from one side and the other to collaborate, Mm -hmm. come together, and present to the world, we have a really great solution that we're bringing to you as two companies. Mm-hmm. So, so Camilla, why don't you start? How, how did sure. you find Vertex? Well, I think there are a lot of synergies. So, like I mentioned before, we've been partners <coughs> for many, many years on a lot of different fronts and different areas. And there are a lot of synergies between our offerings, overall the SAP offerings, and the Vertex who are specialists in taxation. And that complements a lot of the SAP uh, solutions that we take to market. And then my particular area within SAP is the ISV ecosystem. So, helping our otherwise partners move into the cloud and it was the, the it was a perfect time in the journey of Vertex mm-hmm. to start looking at different cloud platform technologies. Vertex, how did you pick SAP? Well, it's uh, I think our customers pick us. Um, we go back probably 25 years working with SAP and, mm-hmm. and when actually when SAP first came into the US market, we had a very large legacy base of customers that were already using Vertex. So as SAP came in, they were looking for a tax vendor and, and, and a, a, ta- a specialist that would be able to handle their needs. So I, I kind of look at SAP as being best of breeds in, in what we do best and, mm-hmm. and tax is our, our area of focus. Question for you. A lot of companies start with big eyes. They have big ideas. They want to be global. Even companies that say, oh, we just want to be mom and pop, very local. Do they need to work? We, we talked about the change in U.S. tax laws. Do they right. need to have tax solutions to let their C-suite suite sleep at night? Is, is that a good idea? Well, I think one of the things you're seeing in tax these days, there, there's much more downward pressure on costs, and there's less people getting into the tax business as, as far as uh, millennials coming out of college. Uh, not, not as many people are getting into the tax. You have some some of the folks retiring. So there's less resources uh, and that puts a burden on tax departments. So I think from that perspective, looking to automate that process is, is really critical to companies moving forward. Do you have a message to millennials that it's still a challenging <laughs> and exciting area and telling them, okay, jobs are open, we welcome you. And millennials are not babies anymore. You know, they're in their 30s there's, now. OMG. I don't know if there are any millennials <laughs> in the room. We have a live audience. But, but millennials are looking for companies that are responsible, that have a social conscience, uh, that are progressive. They want a place yep. to work that makes sense. So, so let's do a little pitch. <laughs> Why would a millennial want to join a company like Vertex? Well, you think it's Tax is being boring, but tax yeah. is always changing. So, and tax follows technology. So, mm-hmm. wherever the technology goes, tax follows, and I think that's that's true. Where SAP goes, Vertex goes, right? So, we're 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 following the technology trend, and we have to stay pace with where the technology is going, and then how does tax fit into that in a, in a way that's seamless for the customers and they have a great user experience. Sounds good. Anything you want to add about millennials and taxes? Do they go together like love and marriage go together like a horse? I don't know. That's such an old concept, like a, like a Tesla or a DeLorean or something. Do yeah. they go together? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got to um, have somebody else, another, an expert like Vertex, take care of that piece. So it frees the millennials up to look at all the other aspects of technology and what it is they're doing. And I can speak for SAP. What a phenomenal company to work for when it comes to millennial and, and the next generation. I come from the... 
New York office, a new one that just opened up mm, in Hudson, Hudson Yards, Yards, and that is one uh, great place. I've taken my son there as well. I'm trying to get him into technology, and so um, I think we're definitely keeping up with that. Maybe with he the wants to get in a tax. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're recruiting. They'll tell your son there's a job. I misspoke a second ago. I said uh, love and marriage goes together like a horse and carriage, and then I said some fancy cars. Let's talk about a, an automated uh, self-driving car where people can sit in the back and have a Twitter party and not even, t- oh no, they'll talk to each other. <laughs> you know, we always start with a buzz quote, and this is from golfer Phil Mickelson. Listen carefully. We picked this quote for a reason. He said, a great shot is when you pull it off. A smart shot is when you don't have the guts to try it. Oh, my. We're talking about golf today. So the topic is what keeps your C-suite awake at night? The title of this episode is A Hole in One, How Technology is Helping the Golf Products Industry. Really? Technology and golf? Never thought much about it. I'm so pleased to welcome. We're going to learn from my special guest, Michael Navlita. He is the Senior Director of Global IT Infrastructure at Callaway Golf. Michael. Thank you. How are you? Thank you for having me. So talk to me. Golf? Technology? Enlighten me. Are we putting sensors in the ball or in the... What's happening? Well... Golf, like any industry, is being digitized, and so uh, we're not uh, able to avoid the momentum that the industry of technology has. So, um, yeah, we're always investigating things like putting technology into golf clubs, but I'm not sure the golf industry is always ready for it. You know, we're not exactly the most uh, early adopter as some of the other con- uh, industries are, but mm-hmm. uh, always investigating those options, and we have some of the same demands that every other company has to modernize our supply chain and uh, produce the right products. So... Is it a seasonal business? What kinds of products does Callaway make? Where, where would we see Callaway? Who's using it? Do you sell your brand? Do you license brand? Tell me some of the famous people yeah, who are so, using Callaway. Well, of course, you mentioned Phil Mickelson. Yeah. So he's obviously super famous. But, um, and he's been a Callaway golfer for many, many years and a great brand ambassador. He comes on uh, site all the time and, and talks to the employees and, and does goofy videos with us and everything. So, you know, <laughs> it's actually a great company and a great industry to work in because you get that a little bit of a celebrity taste, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great company. We manufacture, uh, design and manufacture some of the world's um, most popular and best golf clubs and golf balls. Uh, we also license our uh, brand for apparel and accessories. Um, and we just bought a great company called Ogeo. Um, so they manufacture uh, lifestyle and sport um, bags so that you can you know, participate in whatever sport you want and carry all your expensive gear and protect it just as well. Very cool. Now, you and I were chatting before we started to go live today, and you told me there were some born-on-the-web businesses. Are they your new competitors? Have they been sneaking up into the golf industry for a while? What's the danger there? Yeah, I think, you know, golf as an industry is relatively mature, and there's mm-hmm. not all that many uh, big competitors. Callaway's been around for a long time, a 30-year-plus history. So uh, when there are new up-and-coming companies, either high-end uh, uh, expensive products or born-on-the-web businesses that are shipping customized products, you know, Callaway mm-hmm. has to respond to that, uh, not only for our own competition with the incumbent uh, mm-hmm. uh, competitors, but as well with these new competitors. So we have to move fast. So tell me something. As you expand Callaway's business, as Callaway expands from the, I, what I will call, and tell me if I'm wrong, your core products of golf equipment, mm-hmm. what, what a golfer actually needs to be on the course and doing, and you expand into life 
lifestyle. Does that complicate your supply chain? Does that complicate your production planning? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we actually um, integrated the OGO business in about uh, less than three months. So it was pretty impressive um, integration project that we just completed. So, um, but yes, of course, there's an explosion of suppliers and vendors, but that's one of the opportunities to optimize is to, to consolidate and to leverage some of the channels that we have to sell things. So I think we also find it as, a, as an industry and a business, it's a way to 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 balance out maybe an over-dependence on strictly golf. It's a great uh, harmony with golf because mm-hmm. it's an adrenaline-fueled sporting company, but at the same time, it sort of gives it a little bit of diversification. Talk to me about the future of golf. Are you seeing a lot of uh, new people coming in to the sport, new superstars? We mentioned Phil Mickelson. I was delighted you said he comes and makes goofy videos. <laughs> I can imagine the employees who are saying, wow, Phil is here. Is, is this like a, a highlight of their day when he comes? Yeah, absolutely. All the employees go crazy for it. You know, we're always bringing in celebrity golfers or even, uh, you, you know, other salespeople. And we have, actually have a, our own TV show, interestingly enough. So we get a little a bit more of that brush with celebrity in uh, 22 or so episodes a year of Callaway Live. So if you go onto our website, you can see uh, TV shows with Adam Levine or Phil Mickelson on there as well. Adam Levine? Yeah. From Maroon 5. Maroon 5 from yeah. The Voice. Yes. I'm a big fan. I know. His hair color changes I, every week. We have all kinds of uh, interesting if, folks on. Yeah. Uh, interesting. You, you talked about superstars like Phil Mickelson. I wonder if, uh, let, let's just talk about the golf equipment, if you don't mind talking sure, about yeah, what yeah. you actually do, your core, your core specialty. Is the golf club really what's going to make a golfer successful. Go on, give me a plug yeah, here. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you, you know, I'm not the greatest golfer, but I go out there and uh, just hit last uh, Friday with the new Epic Driver, and it's amazing. You know, as long as, I, as long as I can get the ball to go straight, then I can go farther. <laughs> but in my case, I go to the left a lot farther. So so what is Epic about? Tell me, I don't know much about golf. I haven't played. I know my father took lessons many, many years ago. Dad, we're talking about you. So, so what is exciting? What keeps drawing people. I know there are kids whose families get them started. Yeah. As, as everybody's hoping the new future golf star will be, you know, Bobby Jones next door. What's drawing them into the uh, sport? I, I got to tell you, I saw the smallest kid playing golf with his dad the other day last Friday. He must have been less than two years old, but he had a golf club out there and he looked so cute. And and that's kind of what we need in the industry, right? I mean, we've got new technology that makes players better. It's And for beginners especially, there are clubs and um, fittings that you can use to help you hit the ball more reliably, even though you're not an accomplished golfer. So it's easier to hit, easier to play. And that's kind of one of the, the inhibitors to golf in the beginning is that, you know, it's a little bit difficult to get started. And it's not something that's in a neighborhood. You don't have a, a soccer field, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, a, like you do right. at the golf course. So, um, you know, you might pick up a basketball or pick up a soccer ball or something. And um, we need to get more clubs in the hands of people. So we participate in a lot of programs to, to get young golfers involved. And on the pro tour, we actually sponsor quite a few young golfers up-and-comers, and you've seen some of them in the news, uh, and, and a lot of the uh, women golfers in the LPGA and, and in the international tours. Very interesting. Are millennials interested in golf? Are they I think so. It? I think so. And, you know, I th- a lot of talk has been uh, in the industry with other golf companies about how we maybe need to modernize the game, mm-hmm. make it a little bit more like an iPhone, you know, where you can pick it up and do it in 10 minutes and put it down. <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. No. So I think there's Don't a... Don't mess with the golf game. I think it, there's, a, there's a certain satisfaction, a certain release that you go out and you play, even if it's three hours or four hours and you yeah. get this outdoor in the fresh air that will will be something precious later you know it'll mm-hmm. be hard to come by and so as things get busier and more chaotic in life 
I think we need to keep the game more or less exactly the same. Now, as far as, just quickly, because I think we're, we're running on time here. Question, Michael. As far as technology in the ball, in the club, is for training purposes, do they have sensors in the golf balls or sensors in the clubs that'll help somebody say, well, this was your, your force and this was your torque? I'm using words. If you're I don't trying know. to get some uh, insider R&D details out of me, you're not going to get it. <laughs> but we are always investigating such technologies. And, and we have tried such things in the past. And we've actually sold technology um, and divested of, of companies that have gone on to, uh, to try to do exactly that. And it's a, it's a challenge, right? Um, it's, it's tempting. Uh, but mm-hmm. will it sell? Is it something that people really want? That's the hard part of, yeah. of that technology in golf. Thank you. I have two questions for you. Number one, where did you come from to join us at Sapphire oh, I today? I came from sunny San Diego. San Diego. From one resort town to another. There you go. I'm glad we could accommodate. Second thing <laughs> is, how many times have you gone to Sapphire? This is actually my very first time. <gasps> Welcome. You're the second one today we've had. We have another Sapphire newbie. Welcome. Great. How was the experience so it's, far? It's awesome so far. I'm actually uh, speaking. I spoke uh, this morning, and I actually speak again tomorrow, so I'm excited to be here and contribute, actually. We're excited, too. Mike and the Lita yeah. from Callaway Golf. I have an opening quote. You know, we start with the buzz every day. Buzz from Babe Ruth. Come on, you all know baseball. Think Babe Ruth. Yesterday's home runs don't win today's games. You can't be doing same old, same old anymore. Now let's meet our special guests. We have three on the panel. This is our first panel discussion from Sapphire. So I'm going to do my best to do justice to their names. First, we have Ryan Virubatla, and he is a global VP in SAP Corporate Business Development. Ryan Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure, Bonnie. Thank you very much for joining us. And next to him, I'm going to say she's beautiful because she is. Excuse me, Anne Laura, and her last name is Toulon from Thank Cap you, Gem- Bonnie. I'm trying. Mais pourquoi pas? Je parle un peu de français. Cap Gemini. She's the VP of Big Data Solutions Practice. And Laura, I'm just going to do a, a long distance wave. Thank you for joining us. And rounding out the panel is Aaron Fulkerson. He is the founder and CEO of a company called MindTouch. And we'll have him tell us a little bit about what they do. So let's start out with the introduction quotes they all sent me. This is how we do panel discussions on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Ryan has sent us a quote from Mr. Nadella, Satya Nadella, CEO of Microsoft. Everybody knows him. And he says, I definitely fall into the camp of thinking of AI, that's artificial intelligence, in case you've been hiding under a rock, as augmenting human capability and capacity. Ryan, welcome. And tell us this quote. How does that have to do with intelligent enterprise? Absolutely, Bonnie. I think you started this whole talk with the notion that what's keeping the CEOs up at night. It's the fast pace of changing technology. Now, with the advent of machine learning, artificial intelligence, things are changing so fast. Mm -hmm. What is deemed impossible to do a few years back is becoming table stakes now. And in this fast-paced technology environment, artificial intelligence becomes a tool, a, a technology enabler that kind of changes human perspective. It makes, even if I take a mundane example of financials, mm-hmm. where SIP is very strong, uh, artificial intelligence lets you run your finance organization in a lights-out finance way, where you can take out lots of redundant, repetitive manual tasks mm-hmm. and automate all of them in a lights-out 
finance mode. Mm-hmm. If you talk to the vast audience who's in Sapphire and you poll some of the CIOs, they'll tell you they're running shared services of thousands of employees just to process things like invoices, mm-hmm. which machines have become intelligent enough today to recognize, to read, and to take actions. And in this ever-changing technology environment, what Satya says makes absolute sense. You have to now use this power of artificial intelligence in machines to bring the human efficiency mm-hmm. much ahead. And, and, and there is a notion that machines will replace humans. I don't subscribe to that camp at all. I subscribe to the camp that machines are here to augment and make our processes much, much more efficient. And that's what, by the way, SAP believes in as well. Thank you, Ryan. I, before we go to Ann Laura's quote, a, a wonderful quote from Elon Musk, I heard yesterday a quote about taking the robot out of humans, meaning taking out the repetitive, boring yeah. topics and the boring, repetitive tasks over and over and over again, which tend to make us robotic, meaning just by rote, mm-hmm. by it just, we just keep doing things like that. So I love the idea of taking the robot or in the robotic out of humans. And I think that's what we're, we're saying here is making the humans more human, right? Absolutely. Uh, I, I love that notion of taking robots. I mean, we are here to do higher value add tasks mm-hmm. where thinking is involved, where something is repetitive, manual. There is no reason why we can delegate those tasks to a machine and, and let a machine process them at a much more efficiency, mind I say, than humans. We are very good at creative processes, creative mm-hmm. thinking. When it comes to repetitive processes, doing invoice processing, same invoice over and over again, a machine is probably much better. Why not delegate it to that and then move the human mind to create the next generation finance processes or to bring competitive advantage to the company. And make humans more intelligent. We're talking about intelligent enterprise, more intelligent humans. Thank you, Ryan. And Laura, you've been patient and I'm going to read the quote you sent me from Elon Musk. He said, I think AI is probably the single biggest item in the near term that's likely to affect humanity. <laughs> now think about that. Yeah. AI and humanity in the same sentence and that's what we've been talking about. And Laura, Absolutely. welcome. So tell us, how did you pick this great quote for us? Well, uh, first I'm a big fan of Elon Musk and his you know, way of thinking outside of any bounds or outside of any uh, complex that uh, you know stuff are impossible. So uh, this is why I, I like the person. Uh, but also I like the quote. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, we had a, a client event uh, around artificial intelligence in France uh, three weeks ago so of course you know as French people we like always to complain that we're late or whatever <laughs> but uh, no the conversation were really engaging because you know companies in France are also very very active in, uh, mm-hmm. in artificial intelligence and uh, we ended up thinking that um, you know artificial intelligence is an industrial revolution basically mm-hmm. uh, it is probably going to change a lot of business models it's probably be also uh, changing the foundations of our economy. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's we see that uh, at Capgemini as even our corporate responsibility to to support our clients to look at what types of uh, uh, tasks, what types of work are going to be completely changed by artificial intelligence, automated, that will indeed, as uh, Ryan, you said, uh, you know, leave more space to higher task value, will mm-hmm. we'll be a lot more creative, we're probably going to spend a lot more time engaging with humans rather than typing stuff on screens. So it's going to be, you know, a lot more exciting, basically, but it, it will generate a lot of transformation and it might generate also a little bit of friction because, you know, 
whenever you have an industrial revolution, you better take care of the people that you know can't really adapt as fast as as others. So uh, this is why I picked this quote. I think intelligent enterprise is really uh, becoming a reality. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've been in the field of data and business intelligence uh, pretty much since I started to work uh, 15 years ago, and it has always been the holy grail basically mm -hmm. uh, so not only being able to uh, you know the report on how the business is doing but also predict and prescript what uh, a CEO should do in order to uh, really be uh, uh, beat the competition in his market so uh, the fact that now especially with SAP and, uh, and HANA and our S4 HANA and now the fact that we're putting intelligence at the heart of the business processes this is uh, to me really uh, the year where uh, the intelligent enterprise become a reality instead of a goal that uh, we might reach uh, a couple of years from now. So really, really exciting era. Is this breaking news? 2017 is the year that the intelligent enterprise will really come to be? Yeah, for me, it's the is. revolution it, it is, is here. The revolution is here. We have the data. Yeah. Uh, we have the technology and the computation power. And, you know, I, I guess with the digital era, we have the urgency to mm -hmm. make this happen because customers out there you know whenever they are entering a store or you know they have to deal with their uh, phone company I mean they don't want uh, repetitive interactions they want uh, you know their service companies to know everything about their needs and and to you know proactively solve problems and not wait for for me you know to call them and to complain basically so it creates the urgency for me to really act on it and we have the means to do that so thank yeah, you just so we're it. talking people, more interesting jobs, bringing yeah. up more human creativity and intelligence. Robots are not going to be a threat and people will be able to talk to each other again. Oh my, that's all breaking <laughs> news. Aaron Fulkerson on the end, Mind Touch first. Before I read the quote, and it's a very interesting quote, tell us a little bit about Mind Touch, please. What do you do? Sure. So we're a software company that companies will use, whether it's a manufacturer or a technology company or a service company, to author and publish their help content and product documentation to drive better engagement with their customers. So our customers are anybody from Whirlpool, Electrolux, Accenture, McKinsey to the fastest growing software companies in the last five years. But what it helps them to do is to turn their content into business value by creating deeper understanding with their clients. have a quote. It's a lyric, a short lyric from a song. Well, the part of the quote is the song title. Sign on the dotted line. It's going to work out fine. Think back. Jerry Rafferty, he was a, he is a Scottish singer, and uh, he sang Baker Street. You can look him up. You can Wikipedia him. So we're going to be talking about what signing on the dotted line really means today. Okay, you're transforming your business. You're streamlining processes. Everything is going smoothly, and then you ask somebody to sign on the dotted line. Does that mean a piece of paper? You actually have to give it to them. They have to print it out. They have to sign. What are they going to do? Scan it, bring it back in, fax it, put it in the mail. Everything comes to a halt. So our topic is going to be completing the digital transformation with e-signatures. E-signatures. Get used to it. You're probably going to be doing it soon. I have two very special guests who are going to talk to us about this and explain everything. First up, I'm very pleased to welcome Casey Hamels, Senior Director of Business Development at DocuSign. Casey. Nice to meet you. Welcome Thank you, to Bonnie. Game Changers. Thanks for joining us. It's day three. It's May 18th. Yes. My goodness. We're just getting started. I, I know. I know. <laughs> and also joining us is Michael Gray, SAP Senior Director of Global Part. He was a Global Partner Manager. Michael, can we do the boarding house oh. reach? Oh, you are such a champ. Thank you so much. Casey, you're with DocuSign. Talk to me. Was I right in saying that signatures can just absolutely bring everything to a screeching and, and an, a, an unwieldy halt? 100%. 
and it's interesting in today's day and age where everybody, all I would venture to guess all 20,000 people here at Sapphire are carrying some sort of mobile device smartphone. Mm-hmm. And they're using that smartphone all day long. I've seen people weaving through the hallway, looking straight at their phone, you know, running into to traffic, essentially. Yes. So done that. <laughs> <laughs> moving forward in a digital manner is going to be essential for a business to survive. Those that continue to leverage old, antiquated, manual, paper-based processes are really going to struggle to compete in the marketplace, whether that be with the talent, the war on talent. Uh, working with uh, consumers, direct to consumer, working with B two B transactions as well. So yes, tell me it's coming. Before I, I get Michael, I know he wants to talk, but I want to ask you: What is e signature? What's involved? It sounds sleek. It sounds very e ish. Mm-hmm. When did it start? Is DocuSign the the owner, the uh, the creator of this? Uh, yeah. Whose idea, whose brilliant idea was it? So our founder Tom Gonzer came up with the concept back in two thousand and three. Okay. So we've been around quite a while. Yeah. Most people recognize DocuSign probably within the last, I've started there five years ago. So within the last five years, our message has changed dramatically from having to explain what an e-signature <laughs> is to, oh yeah, I love DocuSign. I just bought a house using your software. So our start really was in the real estate space where there's, as you might suspect, a ton of paper, oh, yeah. a lot of emotion involved oh, yeah. with the transaction and being able to complete it. Michael just did this recently, as yep. a matter of fact via DocuSign and have a great user experience is is, is changing, game changing in a, in a lot of ways. Does it take a special tool? Is it an app? What is it It's do? all in the cloud. We are a 100% cloud okay. solution. It is email based. So the, mm-hmm. the signer is the individual who needs the email address for which to receive what we call the invitation to sign. Okay. And the sender is a person who has the license of DocuSign who creates the workflow identifies what documents need to be signed, where they need to be signed, and there's a whole user interface leveraging our .com and or, in the case of SAP, Signature Management, the variety of SAP products in which we integrate. Ariba, SuccessFactors, and Hybris Cloud for Sales. Thank you. We have a lot more to talk to you about, Casey. Michael, you're dying to say something. (laughs) Michael, are you using eSignature everywhere? When did you become aware of this? When did we start the partnership with DocuSign? Well, uh, yes, we use eSignature pretty much everywhere. Uh, Funny thing, this started, we started using it internally at SAP um, what was it? Four years ago At now? At least, if not more. Yeah, four or five years ago now. And it really started off in our sales organization. Mm-hmm. As you know, at SAP, as a publicly traded company, we're very much held to the quarter, right? Oh, yeah. And we're in, at the end of the quarter, we're in heavy pressure to get deals signed in time so we can report. Mm-hmm. And one of the challenges we had was with paper, you'd literally have... Uh, a contract happened on the 31st of December. <laughs> would go to the to the person who had to sign it on the customer side, and they'd be like, "I'm I'm gone. I'm yeah. home. I'm not able to sign this anymore." Or I'm at home and I've ran out of paper, and it's 11, you know, 59 at night. Or I don't have a printer or anymore. I don't have a printer right? anymore. Right? right? Okay. Right? No printer, no cable. Go exactly. Ahead. Right? Exactly. And our customers, you know, are we're used to this whole fat or, or FedExing and the way to get a package, or if we emailed it, they had to print it out because we used to have to have wet signature for everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, the usual thing, right? As the economy has become uh, faster, more aggressive, uh, our the competitions coming from all sides nowadays. It used to be we had the big red company now. Pretty much everybody wants to come <laughs> come play with us or fight with us. Um, so our need is to be fast 
and our, our and and to really get the signatures those uh, electronically valid contracts returned in time so that when we do our quarter reports and you know as a publicly traded company you got to keep going up oh yeah which means you got to get it in on time and that's how we got started we got started because our customers um a they wanted to uh, work faster with us and more modern with us Mm -hmm. right how can you guys at sap be the future if i'm still dealing with old technology with you yeah but um on top of that just simply it made our life better and easier right and that's how we got started was really the uh, in the sales side now we use it everywhere Mm -hmm. inside the company and um everywhere from the hr through uh, our legal and things like that and i can tell you and i do this to casey all the time if somebody sends me a document to sign on paper yes i I work from home don't have a copy machine don't have a printer there you go right (coughs) excuse me Mm mm-hmm I'm actually annoyed by it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That makes I'm, two of us. I'm, I'm actually annoyed by it. And, and I want to I just segue back to, uh, you mentioned about buying a house and all the paperwork. I'm going to start to be looking to relocate. I'm wondering if I should select a realtor <laughs> and a builder only based on if they use e-signatures. What do you think of I that, I think that's Casey? a great idea, especially if you're not going to be in the location yeah. where you're purchasing the I'm home. Not. Or, absolutely. Very interesting. So, how do companies find out about this if they don't already know? I, I was going to say to you, Michael, that the, the good news is you got a contract, you signed a deal on December 31st, and the bad news is, OMG, you got a deal and you signed a contract, <laughs> and nobody has a way to sign the damn contract. Right. So, Casey, how do companies get on board? What do sure. they do? Is this for startups? Should they be doing this right from the get-go? Mm-hmm. Is this from established companies who are saying, wow, we only have 85,000 employees, everybody's got to sign something. Right, right. It's time. So how do they do that? It's That's a great question. And to the real estate example, we run the gamut of customers, whether it be a consumer. So for example, a mom or dad who is signing permission slips for their kids Hello. can download our app. It's free on uh, iOS or Android. Seriously? And you can pull in documents and sign Wait a minute, it couldn't phone. possibly be that easy. Oh yes, it is. It's that easy. It is. And that's the whole, okay. the whole point is the ease of use because you don't want to be waiting as a customer for the process to, to create a process, a cumbersome process, I guess a better way to say that. You need it fast and efficient. Like Michael said, we need those documents quickly and 51% of the documents get signed in 15 minutes. So if you think about the impact to a business or even to a consumer, getting that kid's um, permission slip signed a lot of parents seem to forget. I'm not a parent, so I don't know. So the teachers were saying that R- they... Rumor has it. <laughs> that the poor kids, they couldn't let them go on certain yeah. events because they needed that information. So that being one example, all the way up to a large enterprise like SAP. And typically they start in a specific area, like mm. Michael alluded to sales. That's probably one of our top use cases yeah. is there's a need for speed, efficiency, and the hard costs that's involved in a paper process is eliminated. I have an opening quote for you, but I have to tell you, we're going to talk about what's keeping today's C-suite awake at night. We're going to have a very interesting answer to that in a minute. So think way back in time. You probably heard this adage, meaning a saying, words of wisdom. 
long time ago. A stitch in time saves nine. Something about the old English work ethic. Let me tell you where it came from. Thomas Fuller's, get this, nomologia adages in Proverbs, wise sentences in witty sayings, ancient and modern, foreign and British from 1732. So we're harking way back in eras gone by, and we're going to talk today in just a second to a gentleman named David Caldwell from Coates, and I am excited to say it's the company that produces thread, and I'll tell you how I know that. He is a supply chain systems director, and he's going to help us figure out how his company can evolve from pre-industrial revolutionary company to the 21st century and beyond. David Caldwell. Shake my hand. How are you? Hi. Nice to meet you. Uh, nice to meet you, too. So, you know why I was so excited to meet you? Did anybody tell you? I have no idea. Well, I'm about to tell you. I started using a sewing machine and learning how to sew in the sixth grade. I sewed my own dress for my sixth grade graduation, and I played the piano at the graduation ceremony. I was probably using Coates threads back in the day, and that is back in the day. Don't ask me when. So, I'm a big fan of your company because I think you've helped to dress the world, you've helped to colour the world, so tell me about coats. Yeah, well, coats have been about since the 1750, round about, yeah. Just, just after, just this after quote? the quote, my yeah. goodness, okay, that's why they started it. What's the origin of the company, where did they start? Uh, the company started in Paisley, which is where I was born and bred, and I still, uh, I still sit in a, a, a mill in Paisley and do my day job, yeah. Is that Scotland? It's in Scotland. Okay, did I say it right? You did, cool. yeah. Thank you very much. So keep going. Tell me about the company. Yeah, so um, we 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 make threads. Um, that was our original business, but to uh, you know survive down the years, we've had to uh, grow and change. So I mean, everybody says the the granny used to work in the mill. You know, when you get a taxi in Paisley, who do you work for? Coats. Oh, mm-hmm. my granny used to work in the mill, and she used to stitch garments. And there you go. You know, but the, the world's changed now, and no one quite does that anymore. Um, so um, we, 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 we still make threads, and we sell them to the apparel and footwear mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have different uh, um, lines of business and coats. We have a performance materials sector. What does that mean? Uh, Performance materials is um, it's very broad. It can be threads for uh, feminine hygiene. It can be tea bags. So we, we make really? the thread for tea bags. I didn't know there was thread in tea bags, but I'm glad when they hold together in yeah, hot you, water. You dunk it in yes. with, with, with our thread. Yes, I've yeah. got one around here somewhere. Um, cricket balls, baseballs, all made with uh, coats, threads, um, airbags, um, you know. 100 million airbags each year made with coats threads. Um, really? And uh, some of our high-performance threads need to stand up to temperatures of maybe mm-hmm. 1,000 degrees centigrade, you know, so these have uh, military use as well. Yeah. And uh, we still have our traditional, uh, you know, hand knittings and consumer mm-hmm. sewing threads, which, um, you know, people do, uh, do for hobbies and fun, yeah. Mm-hmm. Embroidery kits, this kind of sure, thing. Sure, still popular so. as hobbies. People like to relax, unplug, get rid of digital, and go back to the arts, the hand arts, and the skills, right? Yeah, some, and make something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just bought a digital sewing machine about two years ago, and I have a secret. Don't tell anybody. I like the old-fashioned one better. I have a yeah. ni- uh, probably a 1960s Singer sewing machine in a cabinet, and I prefer it to the new one. So don't don't go by me. But I still find sewing uh, creative. It's fun. It's interesting uses your brains, uses your hands. So tell me something. Was there a person named Coates? Who started the company? Yeah, there was. Uh, I mean, originally it was 
uh, Coates and Clarks, and, and there was someone called, uh, you know, um, surname of Coates, yeah? Of course. Now, we're talking about company from way back in this, and it was just coincidental that I picked the quote as Stitch and Time Save Nine and found out that it's from 1732 and your company started shortly after. So the question is, you're trying to come into the 21st century. What does that mean? What is your goal? You're trying to disrupt any new industries? You're trying to solve supply chain issues? Are you trying to do digital transformation just because you need to run faster? Tell us a little bit. Yeah, well, uh, you know, disruptive technology, um, you know, Coates R&D are doing quite a lot of work there. So, I mean, you, you might blend cotton and polyester to make a thread. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also blend carbon with other substances to make different things. And, you know, some of Coates' pro- products are in, you know, Formula One racing cars as the, the mud flaps, just by blending carbon and other materials and, we and welding it. We never think about this stuff. We so, never think about all the places thread yeah. is used. So continue. So the, so the companies move forward, um, you know, into different areas, uh, mm-hmm. you know, much more than, uh, you know, just, just sewing. Um, but in our main business sector, apparel and footwear, the, the time to the market is, is quite critical. You, you know, you get all the, the fashion businesses doing more fashion releases every mm-hmm. year. And um, it's very important for us to be first to customer with samples and this mm-hmm. kind of thing. So uh, we are trying to use uh, the modern technology and, uh, you, you know, our, our HANA program and uh, trying to uh, make our lead time shorter. So we're doing things with uh, mm-hmm. SAP HANA uh, around automated planning and scheduling and trying to make every, every step codified. Mm-hmm. into the system so that we can um, run more planning cycles quicker mm-hmm. and get our, uh, our stuff to the customer first or with, within as short a lead time as possible. So you're talking about um, from factory to a customer can be, you know, three to five days in our industry, yeah? Seriously? Yeah. Wow. Is this an exciting time for Coates? Was there any hesitation when whoever it was said, wow, we need to get into the modern age. What are we going to do now before they they discovered SAP, for example? Was there some hesitation? Well, you know, we'll get it to them when. We have a reputation. Our thread is good. They'll buy it anyway versus we really need to speed this up and be part of the modern world. So whose idea was it? Uh, it's more of a progression down the years, okay. you, know, you know, so um, I mean, I've been with Coates 30, 31 years and, um, you know, even b- back then, you know, when you're trying to automate dyeing cycles and mm-hmm. uh, automate your production and make that better and then SAP came along and you're trying to have a, uh, a joined up global supply chain and SAP and APO have helped us with that mm-hmm. and now it's just uh, responding to to customer needs uh, fashions a fast business and we need to be quick and we need to keep up and we need to to be there on on the edge you know keep keep moving or you're finished absolutely i have a question for you you may not have the answer but i'm going to ask it anyway in terms of thread colors have what kinds of do they have names do they have numbers what's going on in the color world today uh, yeah they, they, they've got numbers uh, for the system and they've got uh you know, a color card's got names as well. Yeah, I'm not too close to that side of it, um, but they still number the color card. Um, a color card's got about 900 shades on it. Get out! And um, wow. we, we have a, a very large uh, make-to-order, make so, you know, the, the big 
customers will send us a fabric and we need to get a sample out there quicker, sure. quick, one day. Sample to customer, they'll go make mock-up garments, mm -hmm. you know, and if, if the samples of clothes sell in the shops, mm -hmm. you know, we get the bulk order, yeah. We're going to look at our opening quote today from Dennis Gabor, who, I'll just tell you, you ever seen a hologram? He invented it, and he won the 1979-71 Nobel Prize in Physics for it. Here's the quote. The best way to predict the future is to create it. So we're going to be speaking right now. I have a very special guest. He's smiling. He's ready to go. We're going to have a great conversation. It's Tom Roberts. He is the Global Vice President of Third Party Solutions at SAP. Tom Roberts, I am so pleased to meet you. Bonnie, I am, you know... I'm humbled. Why? <laughs> well, I get to be with Bonnie D. Graham, Excellence in Broadcast winner. You are very sweet. I, I love it. Voice America World Talk Radio presented me with this two days ago. Congratulations. Thank that you. I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm humbled. I'm the yeah. one. Tom Roberts, I know you're a busy guy. I know you've been doing a lot here at Sapphire. I have to tell you, I have a problem, and I'm hoping you can solve it. I will try. Okay. So many people have come and sat in that chair and the chair next to it, and they, uh -huh. you know, the two pe people interviews and the panels, and they've been dropping a word. It's five little letters. It sounds kind of cute. I don't know what it means. It's Solex. Can you unravel this for me? What does it mean? Where did it come from? And what does it have to do with SAP and Sapphire? All yours. Bonnie, I'd be happy to unravel Thank that you. for you. And you know what? The definition of success today is actually when you create something and then it becomes a verb. Right? <laughs> You're absolutely yeah. right. Right. And Solex has become a verb. It's very interesting. So I'll explain what it means. It's yeah. short for solution extensions. Okay. So at SAP, any product that we sell to complete our own solutions and, and give the customer a whole uh, complete product mm -hmm. that we don't make is called a solution extension. Okay. Right? So we create relationships with other ISVs, and together, as part of that total package, we bring them a solution extension. Right, So we take what SAP does, and we make it a little bit better, mm -hmm. a little bit bigger, uh, and meet their needs. So we do that in, in, in a, a combined way with them. So uh, we've been doing solution extensions now. Uh, since 2005, maybe the okay. earliest was in 2004, but really minimal, 2005. So we're past our 10-year anniversary. Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. So it's something that is, you are not predicting the future, you're creating it with, with Solex. With, okay, now, what kinds of companies do you want to partner with for, this, for these extensions? What mm -hmm. are you looking for? Are they coming to SAP and saying, hello, we have an extension. We love what SAP does here, but we think we can make it, as you said, bigger or better or, or whatever. So how does the process What's work? What's really fascinating is this is customer-led. Oh, really? Right. So um, uh, an independent software vendor, one of our partners, will create an offering. <clears throat> and the marketplace will either love it or hate it. Right? The ones that they love, they want them more closely integrated to their digital core. So mm -hmm. here you heard all weekend you've been hearing from SAP about having a digital core. Mm -hmm. When you have a digital core, it gives you the opportunity to then extend it and meet all of your needs. Um, ISVs now build their roadmaps so that they can extend SAP's digital core. Because what a customer wants today is they don't want to go out and cobble things together and have mm -hmm. to figure out how these solutions fit together. Mm -hmm. They want that done for them. They want to make sure it's secure, mm -hmm. right? Secure is a huge issue right now. Of course. You were going to ask me about, hey, what, 
what keeps CIOs and That's CEOs right. up the at night. The whole C-suite, right. right? Security. Security does, right? Okay. The other thing that keeps them up at night is they don't want to deviate from the standards where they're the only ones spending money to maintain the cost. So if you create your own integrations, you're going to be on that island. That means you're going to own it. You're going to be on the mm-hmm. hook for it. They want that figured out for them. They want those integrations complete. Everybody with the digital core put one in so that they can have a common data model. They want to extend that across uh, that ecosystem and they want it to be uniform and they want to make sure that it's going to hold together and be easy to, to satisfy. As we go into cloud, you're going to live in this world of on-prem and hybrid cloud for mm-hmm. a while. It's really essential that there's a clear roadmap of what's happening because we're in that speed of innovation right now mm-hmm. where things are changing every year and people want to know what's next, what's next. And they, <laughs> but they still either need to brew the beer or make the sneakers, right, mm-hmm. or run the bank any of the things that they do, and they don't want to be bogged down by waiting for those other pieces to catch up and, 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 uh, or be the obstacle that keeps them from achieving their goals. So solution extensions in the end is about answering that customer-led need, which is how do all these pieces fit together into a whole, and how do I extend my digital core? Interesting, because we've been talking with, with a lot of the people who've been sitting in these chairs today and yesterday and the day before, Tom Roberts, about partnerships, what makes a great partnership. And it sounds to me that if, if it's customer-led, then you're either asking the customer or they're knocking on the door and they're saying, hello, we have a need, we want you to listen to us. So it sounds like there's some listening capabilities. There's what do you need? We will respect you. We will trust you. We will listen to you. We will collaborate. We will put our heads together and come up with something that's a win-win for everybody. Can you give us some examples? I'd you, love a you couple. You bet. And, and, and I'm holding in my hand a What are you holding here. in your hand? So I, You can't see it. It's too small. But I'm holding it what looks like uh, a uh, a U.S. geological survey marker. So if you're an outdoors type, are you going to take a picture of that? Yeah, right. Let, me hold, let me hold it up the correct way so, there you, can, you, so go. you can see that. You got go ahead. <laughs> so if you're an outdoorsy type yeah. and you like to hike, mm-hmm. when you get to the summit of a mountain, you always will take a picture with your friends of the view, but you'll also sure. look down and what you'll see cemented into the ground is a medallion. And it's a medallion that tells you how high that particular peak is that mm-hmm. you just achieved you achieved the peak you climbed it um, so that you can celebrate that and take that take that with you so uh, and I'm going to give this to you oh my a gift thank you very much may I read what it says you can because I think this is important to our conversation it's SAP geological survey established 2007 achieved 2016 it says SAP and open text we've had open text on Game Changers radio above and beyond with a plus 10 years 1.1 billion euros benchmark. There's a lot of information. You want to decode it for me? Sure, exactly. So the the key one on there is the 1.1 billion in benchmark. So you asked for an example. And and this is an example of just one of the solutions that's in the solution extensions portfolio. And what it highlights is that customer-led telling us, hey, we'd like to put our structured which is the SAP Digital Core mm-hmm. information, together with our unstructured. Those are all those documents, those PDFs, those Word docs, and those. And we want that to hang together into a unified digital transformation. Mm-hmm. Open Text helps us achieve that. And they help us achieve it on a number of fronts with things like the customer relationship. Mm-hmm. Where we're helping in the area of SAP Hybris for digital asset management. Mm-hmm. So that corporation can keep their video files together with the things that they've got on their commerce website. So all that makes sense. 
that's huge right now. Sure. Right? This is where the enterprise is really struggling as all their digital assets just explode in terms of volume and velocity and trying to keep track of that and then tying that back to the customer experience. In areas like success factors where mm -hmm. you're onboarding new employees, do you know that the employee part of your business is probably one of the most document intensive? Yes. Right? So for various regulations. Right. And yes. And also for being an efficient management of your assets, your people and the costs that takes to keep them employed and keep them happy and healthy and all that. So it's a, it's a big time consuming and a big expense. Yeah, exactly right. And then in areas like dealing with your vendors, mm -hmm. you know how much uh, uh, content goes back and forth between supplier and vendor. Massive. It, it, it's massive, right? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is uh, a big part of commerce today is tied up in that. And it's all going digital. So the connection between SAP uh, and open text is very big, and this is this was the 2016 summit. Mm -hmm. We'll have a 2017 summit where we go even higher. We'll pick an even higher mountain and, and, and scale that together. But it's very important, we think, to celebrate your successes when you achieve mm -hmm. uh, and make sure that everybody who contributed to that hike uh, is recognized, mm -hmm. and, and uh, we intend to summit many more hills with it. Hi, this is Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you so much for joining us. I asked Tom Roberts at SAP what makes him happy to go to work. He loves his job. Well, I love mine. I get to speak to such interesting people. It was such a thrill to be invited to Sapphire by the SAP Strategic Partner Marketing Team. So thank you to everyone from Vertex who appeared, Callaway Golf, Capgemini, MindTouch, DocuSign, Threads, Coats Threads Group, and of course, SAP's Tom Roberts. I have a prediction for all of you. You know how we like to do the crystal ball at the end of each show? Well, I'm going to do my own today. And the crystal ball is next week right here on Coffee Break with Game Changers, Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. I will get send to you, roll in for you, present to you six of the flip side interviews, which cover the topic of what is making today's C-suite excited to go to work every day. So we covered what's keeping them awake today. And by the way, we did 33 interviews with more than 55 people in three days at Sapphire. So if you're interested in looking at the videos we took and hearing the audio, go to our page, our homepage for Coffee Break with Game Changers. The audio is there. And if you email me or send me a note on Twitter at a hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O, just find me. We will send you the link to the videos. So here's my call to action. I want to thank Ryan Treasure at Voice America, who is our extraordinary audio and video engineer at Sapphire. And thank you to the team, uh, Randy and Justin, who helped put these clips together for us today. And thank you to Kevin, my engineer, for getting us on and off the air. So here's our call to action. What are you waiting for? Fasten your seatbelt. Go out and be a game changer today. Everybody I met at Sapphire was and is and will continue to be. We'll talk to you next week right here on Coffee Break. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.